Hello and welcome to The Parent Panel, a weekly podcast that asks one mum and one dad their thoughts on the events of the week, with a particular focus on the things that affect parenting. Today we're talking about preparing for an apocalypse, what kids deal with today, negotiation skills and parenting wins on hard days. I do a massive job keeping them alive. I'm not going to climb up that slide and go down that slide and ruin my pants. Two nights ago, my daughter punched me in the face for a laugh. And then I just, I just, I spent the next half an hour making her feel better about punching me in the face. My wife and I have this great saying with each other, and that is, the days are long, but the years are short. The Parent Panel with Siobhan Hunt. Our mum today is writer and author Kerry Sackville. She has three children. So two, many children. <laughs> so many children. But can we... They're not all children now. Can you call one an adult? They're 20, 18 oh, and got, 12. I've got technically two adults. Oh, yes, of course. Yes. 18 is an adult. Yes, but they're still living at home and eating my food nah. and, you know, stomping around upstairs when I'm trying to sleep. They're not going to be adults until they have babies, really. It, they're not going to be adults until they move out, frankly. <laughs> That's, that's, you know, that, Excellent. that's the end game. All right. We're going to try and get Carrie's kids out of yeah. the house. Our dad is a meditation coach, voiceover artist and founder of Busy, dad, Busy Dads, Grant Linden, who is not going to get rid of his kids anytime soon because he has three boys and a girl ages 12, 11, 5 and 4. After this morning's effort getting out of the house, I might want to get rid of them <laughs> quicker than you think. Grant has four different drop-offs now, Kerry. <gasps> no. Yeah. How, why? Surely you could have coordinated that better. Well, He's, uh, he's thinking uh, so the, now. The, 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 yeah, exactly. Well, the real kicker is, well, look, the two older guys get the bus most of the time. But the real kicker is that the, the littlest guy, my four-year-old, his daycare centre shut down because they found some asbestos there, right? So oh, they've no. had to shut the whole centre down. All kids have found temporary care. Some have just... Oh, no. and And it's a rolling battle with that particular council where they say um, the soil tests aren't yet clear or whatever it is. You know, it's not yet clear for reopening. And just pitch a tent in a field. Everyone's... Just get... Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. my children. Yeah. Well, he, he, he's come to work with, with my wife and I a couple of times, a bit extra, you know... ABC iView and he and because he's by himself he's not fighting about what show he's watching with his sister and so he's there's there's a few golden you know nuggets in it for him um, but it is incredibly boring this morning was two and a half hours in the car in the car that's wow it's two and a half that's to three hours brutal good, good advice though <gasps> if you can find a good audio book your mornings will run so much smoother well I'm highly addicted to a new I, I, I find it, I'm, my podcasting listening is worse than my Netflix binging and I find I've, I'm fully addicted to On the Page it's a screenwriting podcast and your um, kids oh, enjoy that yeah they'd love that <laughs> they have to <laughs> oh my oh, dad, we only listen more about phrasing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. we, we have to listen to what the kids want to listen to. So we listen to How to Train Your Dragon. Dragon. Yeah. You Carol. know what? I went through so many years of that. I have no sympathy. I've done my time. That's my We now car. have earphones. Oh, right. Yeah, everyone's oh. got their own noise yeah. cancelling. We all just sit around, the four of us, everybody with their own headphones. You know, Excellent. the kids are watching yeah. YouTube or porn, I don't know. <laughs> I'm listening to my podcast. That, that went offside very quickly. All right, we're going to start with a topic that everyone is talking mm. about, and that is the coronavirus. With shelves stripped bare as Australians prepare for a pandemic, take a look at this. We went out to take a look for ourselves yesterday, and mm. there wasn't a toilet roll in sight. 
Of course, that is uh, Carl Stefanovic talking about the rush on toilet paper. And um, other things that people have been buying are paracetamol and tin goods like spaghetti. Um, Stags, chili. <laughs> Apparently people are buying lentils. I mean, I've never bought a lentil in my life and I am not going to start now. It's got to take something a lot worse than the coronavirus to get me eating lentils. I know you probably have like an entire room dedicated to lentils at your place. And chickpeas. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a really interesting post. I mean, not to be too serious about it, but I did see a post um, that I hadn't considered. And that was from um, uh, Ausfood whatever it is, the group that, um, the charity that supports people and tries to give them food. And they were saying, look, I know you're all panicking, but there are people who need their basic necessities and can only make it to one shop. Like you're elderly or mm. someone who's got four kids and a single mum, whatever. They make it to the shop and you crazy fuckers <laughs> have gone and bought all the toilet paper yeah. and they, they cannot go to another shop. So they mm. go home. And literally have no toilet paper it's while you're that. sitting it's the there. People, it's the people who, who live week to week. Mm. You know, who budget week to week, who just do not have the cash to stock up. Yes. So they get their pay in and that's when they go to the store and they want to buy their rice and their beans and their milk. If there's none there for them, they don't eat for that week. They don't have reserves in the pantry. Mm. So it's really irresponsible. Yeah. And look, I, sorry, I did make it serious because this was meant to be funny. Mm. Um, <laughs> after that little note. Oh, yes. Let's move on. Um, so I did think, you know, look, what would be the one thing you would you could not live without in your family if you had to be shut down in your house for two weeks. Kerry? I can't believe you even have to ask. Coffee. Oh, yes. Good point. I'm the only one in the family who drinks it. But if I don't get my coffee, (laughs) no one else is going to survive a week at home. True. So everything else, you know, if we run out of toilet paper, they can rinse their bums in the sink. But if I don't get my coffee. (laughs) Great visual just then. It's just, they will run out into the street into the virus screaming. You know, they'll run out into the street in a zombie apocalypse if I don't get my coffee. So as long as we've got coffee, I think I've still, I think I've probably got about two to three weeks worth. Depends on how stressed I am. How much I need. Everything's fine. Okay, Grant, what about you? I was going to say toast because toast is one of those things that the smell is so comforting and it's just an easy one for everybody and all you've got to do is stick something different on if someone's got another preference. But tea. Mm, yeah. Calming. Well, I, I, enjoy, yeah. I enjoy a good coffee, but tea is the first thing in the morning. What no, kind of tea? English breakfast, Irish breakfast. Irish breakfast is stronger, so like that's oh. the... But um, for me, like sitting at that cup of tea, is that probably the same thing for people who are hardcore coffee drinkers? Um, yeah, but tea calms down, coffee peps us up. No, 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 coffee, yeah. tea, tea's got plenty of caffeine yeah, it in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a different kind of pep up. Yeah. Coffee's just like oh. road rage, <laughs> inciting, yes. get the job done. Yeah. Tea's more like, okay, let's all just move now and smilingly do yeah. so. And the good thing about toast is that if you run out of toilet paper, you can just use the toast instead. <laughs> If you use heaps so of butter, versatile. It'll be, keep going. <laughs> it won't be too rough. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, we're going to stay with coronavirus because up next. Oh, yay. Yeah. Well, well, you know, it's all anyone's talking about. Yeah. We're going to be talking about all the scary things our kids are exposed to. This week, Frances Whiting said, it's amazing that today's children do anything. So she's talking about the media saturation. We've just had bushfires, floods, now coronavirus. Um, Kids get exposed to a lot of that. And then she was talking also about social media and the fact that, you know, they could have one photo taken in their teen years that will haunt them from the rest of their lives. And she's saying, look, I think kids today have more to deal with than we did 
But at the same time, it is fair to say every generation has gone through an intense period of fear. So I didn't live through the Cold War, but I've heard that a lot of kids at that point thought, and adults thought the world was just going to be destroyed through a nuclear um, Mm -hmm. holocaust, basically. And then, of course, my generation, it was AIDS with all of those awful ads of the Grim Reaper playing bowling. Don't drink from the bubbler. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Use a condom always. I'll never forget that. (laughs) I love that that's something that you hung on to. But it is, it's one of those things that every generation has had something that scared them. Grant, do you think that there is more fear for children today, that they're exposed to more fear? Or is it something that every generation goes through? And children, are they naturally robust? Do they kind of shrug it off? I think yes to all those in different ways. You know, like, it's all relative, right? You know, so like, yes, when I was a little guy, you know, there was the, you know, Midnight Oil did that great record 10 to 1, and, you know, it was all the nuclear disarmament. That that party was massive, led by Pete Garrett. And and then, of course, the AIDS thing was really massive. And, and and at the time, they were really massive things for us. You know, they really were. And also with that distant threat of technology taking over everything as well, that was also kind of an underlying thing as well. Um, I think the kinds of pressures are different. So I see my son, my eldest son, he's 12, you know, he's on the TikTok and he does all that stuff. And there's a real fun element to it as well. But there's also a lot of pressure to maintain presence in those social media spaces. So we're coming back to social media again. I think amongst his peers, I think there's still the same old kind of dance between, you know, so-and-so's got more pubes than that guy. So, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, and, and I think that archetypal who's got the biggest willy at the urinal. I think all that stuff is really... Wow. I think, yeah, glad we missed out on that, Ken. Uh, yeah. Yes. I think all that stuff's really present for for young boys trying to become men, oh, you know. Shame. But, you know, as far as fear maybe preventing them from doing stuff in life, they're super adaptive and they're pretty robust. And, mm. you know, I, I think the old school thing of just, you know, if they're acting up, just let give them some sleep or give them some food and then ask them the question, you know, mm. that they're reacting about. Kerry, you've got a mixture of older kids mm. and younger kids. Have you seen them yeah, my, go through different periods? Yeah, my of ki- well, my big kids particularly worry a lot about climate change, a lot. Um, but, you know, I think about it, I, I think it's every generation has these background kind of more existential worries. And I just think in terms of their practical day-to-day life, they're also privileged. Certainly our kids are so privileged. You know, you think back to previous eras where kids, you know, little kids are working as chimney sweeps or scullery maids. You know, being Jewish, I've got so many um, friends whose parents were kids during the Holocaust and were literally shepherded out to, you know, to be hidden by families. So they're real threats. You think of the kids in Syria with the, you know, bombs whizzing overhead. Even you think of, of you know, kids in certain parts of the USA where there's gang warfare. And so our kids, it's all existential threats. And I think it goes on in the background, but mm. I think in day-to-day life, they have very little to worry about. Mm. Um, and I think that those existential threats sort of keep going almost like a, like a you know, a, a showreel in the background. And hopefully a lot of them will get up and start being more, you know, much more politically active maybe than we were when the threats weren't quite so pressing. But I think they just manage it like everybody's always managed all sorts of existential threats, whether it's just, oh, I'm going to die one day or, oh, this virus is coming down. That's what's interesting to me is that um, all this talk about the coronavirus, what's been really illuminating to me is how it feels 
to be uncertain and to be on the edges of the panic. Like I consider myself quite a sensible person. We haven't stockpiled our toilet paper, but there have been moments where I've thought, oh, like this if this is a real pandemic and who's to say that we're not going to look back and go, oh, you were the fool for not wearing your mask, you know, and to see how quickly peaks Mm. and how affected people are and how scared they get. And this is the adults. This isn't the kids. Mm. And children can be so... I would say that children are more susceptible to their adults in their lives and the fear that they're Mm. presenting than they are to the media. So if you're freaking out about the coronavirus, chances are your kids going to school going, we're all going to die. 100%. Yeah, I do know what you mean, but I also think that everything at the moment is completely hypothetical, nothing much has happened. I mean, yes, very sadly, a few elderly people in this country have died, I think I think two to this point, which is really sad, but people are dying all the time of colds and flus, mm. and this may be worse than your regular flu, mm. but it's not going to be, you know, I heard I heard a podcast where someone was interviewing a prepper who had lanterns for when the power goes out. Even in Wuhan, <laughs> the power didn't go out. You know, the power's not going to go out. The whole city's not going to shut down. At worst, it's going to be like an incredibly bad flu season where a lot of people who are susceptible are going to die, you know, which is really sad and, and awful. But it's not like society is going to shut down. Mm. Well, so huh. a guy was on the radio this morning and he was saying, look, statistically, you know, like it's, a, it's people over 75 who have been, who are dead from, mm. from coronavirus. Also... Uh, you know, the way that it kind of manifests itself. You know, you don't know if it's corona or if it's a regular flu. Yeah. Da, da, da. And he oh, said... Doctors have got such a fun time. Oh, my They've God. they a great time, you know, and someone was saying that a lot of doctors who are so under-informed themselves through their own networks of mm. information and up-to-date stuff are all, you know, relying on Facebook and everything for information, right? Which is hilarious anyway. Terrifying. But, <laughs> but the thing is, is that this guy was really great because he was super practical and he said... It's just so super disruptive anyway. And he said, cancel your travel plans, probably, yes, but not because of fear of actually contracting the virus, because it's a pain in the ass. Because if you cough or you've got a fever above 37.9 degrees at the airport, they're going to retain you and quarantine you. Yeah. It's like like I'm coughing because someone just put cow's milk in my coffee and I asked for almond milk. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like... Well, my son came home the other day and he was coughing and we're like, oh, totally coronavirus. Magically, the next day, it you know, got better. But there's going to be a lot of people freaking out when they get a cough and the vast majority are just going to... It's going to clear up like anything else mm. does. And mm. I just think, yes, if you've got someone in your life who is elderly or immunosuppressed, absolutely be mm. worried that they're going to get sick. But, for, but society is not going to fall apart. This isn't the apocalypse. Exactly. Well, can someone you know? tell me why it was toilet paper everyone worried about? I think about? it was because I, I think either. ScoMo, I think somebody said, oh, it wouldn't be a bad idea for people just to to um, make sure you've got a couple of weeks worth of groceries in case you're quarantined at home. Uh-huh. Things like toilet paper. People listen to him. And people listen to him. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was him. And the reality is if you are isolated, mm. if you don't have any friends, or family, mm. yes, you need to have you know a couple of weeks. You always should anyway, in case you get sick from anything, mm. you know. But if you're a normal, you know, social person who has a network, 
if God forbid, you know, you get sick, Siobhan, and, and you run out of toilet paper, you'll call me and say, you know, Kerry, can you? Well, actually, probably not me because I don't know you. Oh, I don't know where you live. You'd I'll have tell to, you where I live. I, as long as you're not delirious <laughs> and can't remember your own address. But you call someone, you call me call and say, listen, love, I can't get out. We've run out of toilet paper. You bring some over. Yeah. You know, it's not that catastrophic I for I don't most know people. what I would think of first if I thought we were going to be locked. Yeah, coffee is a good. Well, our coffee machine is broken, Kerry. Well, that's dire. It is I mean, very dire. You may as well surrender to the virus. There's no cafes in the world. All right. So sometimes we'll agree to the most outrageous things to get our kids to do as we ask. And sometimes it all works out in our favor. We're going to be talking about parental negotiation skills next on the Parent Panel. I don't like this thing. Yeah? Well, I don't like running like a crazy person through downtown Disney. Downtown Disney. I don't know what to do. Well, the leash is not the answer. You want my help? Yes, please. Because I can fix this for you in about two minutes. Come on, baby girl. Come with me. We'll be right back. Look, your dad got her baby high heels, which we said we were never going to let her wear. I love them. You look gorgeous, sweetie. Oh, my God. You thought people judged us before. Wait till they meet little Miss Anaheim. Who cares? Look at her. She can barely move. So that's the uh, episode of Modern Family where they all go to Disneyland. Lily is in a period of running off from her parents, so Cam puts her on a leash, and Mitch is really embarrassed. I so have they, a leash. Ta- yeah, well, I don't have problems with leashes. <laughs> anyway, they took the leash off. She starts running everywhere, and then Jay goes and buys her a pair of kitty high heels, which is why he says she can't run. Who cares what people judge us for? And she loves them, of course. On a different level, a colleague today, this week at Babyology was telling us how every year, so her daughter's birthday is at the end of December. And every year she negotiates another month for her daughter to have her birthday party. I think it's because the kids don't come, but also it's easier for the mum to do it, you know, later. So this year, the alternative celebration date is in June. So her birthday's December. They have the party in June. I find that a bit odd, to it be is a bit, Well, it is, but I, I kind of high-five you. If you can get your kid to agree to a more convenient time for a party, do it. Kerry, when have you negotiated something outside the norm for your kids and how did it work out? I have out? been agonising over this question. And I just, uh, every day, every single day <laughs> I was thinking, you know, last night I was pottering around the kitchen thinking, hmm, when do I compromise? And I looked over and my daughter was doing her homework on the couch in front of the TV whilst eating the dinner that was on the couch next to her instead of actually at the table. And I was like, yeah. That's it. I'm out. <laughs> just, every day is a compromise and you fight for the things that, that are really important. From the time when she was little, when she used to, oh God, like to get her in the bath, sometimes she'd either eat in the bath or she'd put bizarre <laughs> things in the bath. You know, or, oh, that went through. I like her style, eating in the bath. Oh, yeah, and the slime. Okay, so a big one now is slime. She loves making slime, and I was like, you've got too much slime, and you've got to stop making slime. There's so much slime, slime, slime. And when we came up with a system where it's called a restock, so every three months she's allowed a restock of her slime ingredients, and there's a big sign in her room, next restock, I know, March 26, and that's when she gets to have more (laughs) more borax and more glue. Oh, my God. I mean, it's just, I'm losing the battle, but yeah, constantly compromising, also known as giving in. Yeah. 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 What about you, Grant? Oh, you know, it's funny. I was hearing all those things and that's all the stuff that my wife lets the kids get away, (laughs) get away with eating in the bath. But I, I, I like to appear as being very staunch and, you know, almost rigid with the guidelines. And I am to the point of 12 year olds exploding you know, Mm. in the room. But even this morning, you know, I was like, you're not leaving the house without a rain jacket. Why? Because it's raining. 
Why? <laughs> because, because I said so. It was like the fourth one, you know. And I got proper resistance. And then, and then it was because the rain jacket was too small because he likes wearing things that are just a bit bigger, right? And I'm like, it fits you. It goes to the end of your arm like this. It might not be like your puff daddy kind of You are vibe. so cruel. You are setting him up for social death. It's just <laughs> But I gave in. So mean. I gave in. And I gave him my range. <gasps> oh, wow. An old one. An old one. So, yeah, I gave in too. But wow. I don't know. It's, it's hard because I always feel like there's one, times when I give in and I think, okay, that's okay because it's still in the ballpark of the value I'm trying to attach to this. <laughs> This, re- this reason or this this guideline. And then other times I think, well, other days I'm just not up for the battle, but I will I'll dance around things instead of... I quite of, like uh, that having a firm line because I have none. Mm. And I feel like that was a mistake from the beginning of my parenting yeah. experience and I'll never be able to correct it. But do you feel sometimes that you set a firm line and then your kids are challenging you and challenging you and it's like, oh, yeah, Why? I'm yes. not sure. Like I had yes. this thing with my big girl where she wanted her ears pierced and it was like not to you're I 13. Come 13 we're yep. not to 13. Then my little girl was like, oh, my ears pierced, not to 13. Why? I don't know. Anyway, she ended up getting her ears pierced, I think, at 11 and she just got a second one at 12. And I'm like, because I, I stopped remembering why. Yes. It just seemed all ridiculous. <laughs> it just, just seems so arbitrary. I'm the same with uh, nail polish. So my mum never wanted us to have nail polish on our nails as little girls. And, of course, my daughter saw me oh, doing my all nails. Want nail polish. Yes. And, especially, and the boys too sometimes. And, oh, my and boys red. Yeah. Arlo has it as well. And I, it was something mum would let us do it but not have red. <laughs> Oh, because red Cause is just so... that's a bit so, racy. Yes, exactly. That's too <laughs> bold for a little girl. I know, right? Who knows what will happen? <laughs> but I, I, you know, I honest to God, red, was like... Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was... I just... Sending the wrong messages could to hear society. myself about to say no. And, and then at the same time, I was like... But the problem with that approach, Kerry, is that when you say, I don't know why, so let's just be open and mm. do whatever... Unless it's something you feel really strongly about, and I have to be honest, there aren't many things I feel really mm. strongly about. It is everything is up to negotiation. Yeah. So that's why it's become more of a kid's world, mm. I yeah. think, than an adult's mm. world. And I don't know if that's good or bad. I feel strongly about certain things like bedtimes and nutritious meals. And, and I have like an issue with soft drink. I just cannot stand yeah, my yeah, daughter yeah. drinking soft drinks. So when she goes to parties, I'm like, have whatever you want. No soft drink. Of course, she still has soft drink, but I feel really strongly about it. You know, my mum always said to me, and I think it's really good advice, she says you choose your battles. And I think if a, if a child knows that what you do feel strongly about is really important, there are reasons, like bedtimes, for example, or, or you know, nutritious food. And then, you know, when you when you show that you can be flexible about other things, I think maybe it reinforces that the important things really are important and not negotiable. My kids are going to be so confused because my <laughs> husband and I even disagree right. about bedtime. So my bedtime is book and song and bed, sleep. But he will show my son stuff on the iPad because we're, we're on different yeah. bunks. I put my daughter to sleep on the top bunk. He puts my son to sleep on the bottom bunk. And only on weekends will he show the screen. But, you know, mm. my whole the last five years, I've been talking to people about why you don't show screens mm. to kids before bed, particularly boys. Yeah, Mm-mm-mm. and so, and and you know, you choose your battles. Oh my god, it's yeah. it's really hard, especially Mm-mm. when you're co-parenting the way we co-parent. Yeah. to tell someone that's just not yeah. happening. And he used to look after my daughter, and I never watched telly during the day. My my parents just 
No, or same. during the yeah. week. Yeah. We only had it on the weekends yeah. and never during the day. And so he'd be looking after her and just couldn't work out how to get her to sleep. So he'd be sending me these pictures. He's watching, they watch something like Ra Ra or something on the telly. She'd fall asleep in his lap and then he'd put the wire on. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh, what do I say? Like, mm. I'm at work. I don't yeah. have to be at home with her all day. And she's mm. little and it's hard. Yeah. And, and so we end up with this situation where I'm like, okay, kids, when you're with mum. <laughs> yeah. Different, different We've got roles. We're the same at bedtime as well. You know, like, I am... I love you so much. I'll sing you one song. I'll give you a kiss. The story we do outside of the bedroom. And then it, I love you. I'll sing you a song. Good night. Straight to sleep. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, and and I'm out. And, and you know, my wife's in there and she's lying in there giving them tickles. Ness and, is my kind of woman. Oh, my God. So I don't do she's, any of that. She's doing nah. all that stuff. She's in there for like 40 minutes. Nah, I've always I'm just like, said, bedtime, minutes. bye, in the, in the room, kiss uh, 40 minutes of Homeland Series 8, yeah. I hope you nah. know. Right? <laughs> no. <laughs> but it's, I ain't got it's, no time for that. So she goes out with the girls and, and she might um, come home and say, so how's everybody? I was like, great. Out like that. Our last topic in just a moment. Parenting wins on a hard day. There can be times as a parent when you think wistfully of what life would be like without numerous sets of clothes to pick up or having a bathroom full of random and often mouldy toys. Then again, that could just be my bathroom. (laughs) And then your kid will do something and you'll be like, All right, parenting isn't so bad. This week, babyology writer Pip Lincoln has collected a series of things that parents love about parenting. Grant, what do you love about parenting that can make a rough day feel better? Um, The simple things, the really simple things. When I found I've tried to make it, excuse me, <clears throat> make everything too complicated. Coronavirus. Exactly. <laughs> can you see? Uh, no, <clears throat> I ate some toilet paper this morning. Um, it's the simple things, you know, like especially when I've roused on one of them and it's just like I've made it all too much and this demand's not getting met and everyone's complaining and so-and-so is hitting me and it's all just gone to shit. Yes. After the whole thing's just de-excited a bit like that, I like just sitting down and just hanging with mm. them. And mm. like that for me is like when Augie looks up at me, my four-year-old, and he goes, can we push the car really fast? It's like, that's gold. You know, it's something that pulls your attention. Your actual into something- car? Or yeah. like a toy car. Yeah, he wants to get in yeah. the car. He's a tough kid at yeah. four years old. <laughs> He's read Arnie's book. Yeah. Uh, you know, those simple things. It will always bring me back to earth and always remind me that that is a simple joy of parenting, you know? What about you, Kerry? So after a really rough day, I guess, have, yeah, I, <laughs> I guess having one of my kids come to me and say, Mum, I'm sorry you were right. Is really good. Shut up. <laughs> you're, you're being funny, aren't you? I'm being funny. Uh, my kids get along really well, the I three want to see of a video them. Of that. Yeah. <laughs> my kids get along really, really well. They give me hell. You know, they band together and just make fun of me. Like my son, you know, I'll make a suggestion and say, oh, you know, I need to do this, that, and the other. What, what do you think, mum? And I'll say, you know, well, I think you should do X, Y, and Z. He goes, oh, what would you know, stupid old lady? Oh! But it's like he's being funny. My, my, Big girl calls me Sack. My surname is Sackville. So she doesn't call me mum. She calls me Sack. She's like, oh, all right, Sack. Yes, Sack. You know, <laughs> my little one's like, mum, do you need another glass of wine? Like, really? You're, you're getting stressed here. And the three of them together just build on each other. Sometimes I just quietly leave the room and I see them laughing hysterically at me <laughs> and with each other. I just love that. It's That's the best. Gorgeous. It's the best. Seeing them get along. Yes, yeah, yeah. seeing That's my actually... kids get along. And I don't think you can force it. I, you know, I don't think it's anything I did. I think it's just pure luck. 
um, that the chemistry worked between them. And I know that, you know, they all kind of, they all really enjoy each other's company, even though I don't understand most of what they're talking about because they're talking about YouTubers and, and memes and stuff that makes mm. no sense to me. Mm. But that's okay. And then I go downstairs and have a glass of wine in my bedroom by myself while they just laugh you know, at you. Laugh at me. Brilliant. <laughs> that could be sad, but I think it's delightful. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking this morning, actually, um, so now I've got, just one drop off. I have an extra half hour, which of course. Oh, don't ha- tell Grant. Poor exactly. Grant. I know. Two and a half hours. Sorry, Grant. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is that um, it's kind of like uh, money. When you have more, you spend more. So I have more time. So I, if I get up at six a.m., everything is a breeze. If I get up at six thirty, it's just that little yeah. bit harder. But this morning, uh, both of them were in bed with me, and my husband doesn't do this because he often either leaves early. He's quite a hot man, so it. It, the kids don't cuddle up to him as much in the morning, but they know that I love it. And so they were, I had one on either side of me. It was raining outside and they both just wanted cuddles and they wanted me to stroke their back. And I was thinking, oh, I have to do this and this and this before I go and blah, blah, blah. Actually, one of the things was meditation because I try to meditate in the morning just for 10 minutes. I never get the time. And I thought, I can lie here and I will miss my time for meditation or I can lie here and just enjoy what is. Mm-hmm. And I was so proud of myself because I don't do that often. Mm. And the one time I will do it is for cuddles in the morning. Mm. Yeah. And then, of course, you've got the whole shit fight of morning where everything, no, yeah. I haven't got my homework. You've had all week to do your homework. Yeah. All that stuff goes on. But just that moment in the morning when they're right close to you and you know you'll never have that time again. Yeah. So I'm Absolutely. Like, this is what makes it worthwhile. Yeah. But you know how they used to say when they were babies and they'd scream all night and they'd go, and one smile and it makes it all worthwhile. I'm yeah, like, no. Who the fuck are you? No, like, I'm sorry. Seriously, no. how when, does one smile make when up you're for eight hours? When you're exhausted and you're just delirious <laughs> for sleep and, and, you know, your nipples are sore and... Everything's sore, let's Everything's be sore and you've got no food in the house. The kid smiles and you're like, just... Go away. I don't want to see your face. I just want, I want to go back to bed. It just doesn't. It, it doesn't. doesn't. I'm glad you agree. I'm nah. not sure about you, Grant, but that was just never enough. No, no, I, you, you, no I, I always say to myself, I'm going to set the alarm for 10 minutes earlier, 10 minutes earlier, and then I won't be the guy that kind of like runs out the door, dragging everybody, get in the van, and then it's like someone goes, I haven't got my whatever it is. I'm like, <laughs> oh, always. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Doesn't you're happen. Not, you're not going to have it today. Well, it's lovely to have you both back in the studio. So nice to be here. All right. Well, thank you so much both for coming in. Thank you're you. welcome. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next week. You've been listening to The Parent Panel, a babyology podcast, hosted and produced by me, Siobhan Hunt. For more information on the show or to check out other episodes with equally funny and insightful guests, you can find all you need at our website, babyology.com.au forward slash parent panel. Mm-hmm.